It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? FFFSOSS.com at FFFSOSS. Twitter Strip. Twitch.tv slash AJ Nick3. Big show on this Thursday edition of the pod. It's going to be a holiday football weekend. That's what we will talk about in the kickoff. Just, um,. You know, an appetizer ahead of when we do the deep dives of the previews of all the games. But just, you know, to make sure we're highlighting some games here because it is a big, big weekend in football. So we'll do that and kick off into our NFL Week 17 preview. College football playoff semifinal previews. We got some festive fixtures to talk about. Weekend soccer previews, some college basketball. Strive pool locks and pick six. We try to bounce back in pick six to finish the year strong. Only two weeks to go in that pick competition at the end of the program. So big show on this Thursday. Again, happy holidays. Everybody celebrating stuff over the uh, end of the year here. And then a happy new year. Let me be the first to wish you a happy. <laughs> That's what would say. So a holiday football weekend and a kickoff. NFL Week 17 preview. College football playoffs and final previews. Festive fixtures to talk about. Weekend soccer preview. College basketball. Strive pool locks. And pick six. So a big, big program. So let's get into it with the kickoff. And we got a holiday football weekend. We got two, I'd say, really big games in the NFL. One in each conference um, that is important for all four teams that are involved in it for kind of different reasons. Uh, so we'll break that down. And then we got no uh, Monday Night Football, but we have the College Football Semifinals on Monday. So have those two games. We got four other New Year's Six, uh, four of the other two, four of the other six New Year's Six because uh, you have the two as the semifinals. So, Detroit and Dallas, both teams have clinched the postseason. Detroit has clinched their division. Dallas has now sputtered with two in a row in the losing column in the last two. Detroit could really put an exclamation part mark on a really good season, regular season, if they get this road win in Dallas in Week 17. Now, I understand they got a division game next week, but they've already locked up the division. They're going to the postseason. But this could be a really big measuring stick type of, you know, first or second weekend playoff game that you can have a, a dress rehearsal for almost when you go to Dallas. Um, I guess technically second weekend, even though Dallas would be a wild card if they got to the second weekend. So, um, but you get my point. The idea of a... Division team going on the road in the next round after a wild card win. It's a strong possibility, right? So Detroit with the dress rehearsal here, that's what's kind of at stake for them. Not much, but it's an opportunity to go up against a team with a winning record in your uh, conference that you might see again possibly down the line in a big spot. You know, you go to their place, you can... Send them a message possibly for next time. And you also send a message across your conference, across your league when you went on the road in a big spot. So that's what's at stake for Detroit. Now for Dallas, they got to end a losing streak. And they got to beat a team with a winning record. And I understand it's at home and they've been dominating teams at home. So it doesn't really help them. 
but it would really, really hurt them to lose three in a row here towards the end of the season when you're supposed to be playing your best ball. And before these losses to the Bills and the Dolphins, you could argue the Cowboys were playing really good ball after beating the Eagles. So um, for Dallas, it's a get-right spot. They have to play better football down the stretch of the season if they want to do anything in the postseason. And again, even though it's at home, even though you've been killing teams at home, it's an opportunity with a team with a winning record to come into your place and you get to make a statement, even though that won't necessarily help you. with an, It helps your team, you know? So that's kind of what's at stake for the Dallas Cowboys. you got to end a losing streak. you got to find a way to win a football game against a good team in your building where you've been really good. Now, a lot of those teams are not that great a football team, so that's not necessarily your fault, right? So uh, that's what's at stake for the NFC, NFC showdown. How about the AFC showdown? Miami Dolphins, Baltimore Ravens, and Baltimore for the Dolphins, they are banged up, but they have clinched the playoff spot. They are still fighting for the division because the Bills are alive. And for Miami, it's basically win out so that the hot Bills don't get the division in a home game, right? Because if the Bills get in, they get in fine, but you want the home game at least. You want that home game because you want to end a losing streak in the postseason where you got to get to the next round, right? So I think for Miami, even though they have clinched a postseason's berth and a spot, in this AFC playoffs, it is a big spot for them on the road to test themselves against one of the best teams in the in the league, if you know, in the conference, let alone the league, right? It's in Baltimore. So for Miami, big test on the road. Guys are banged up. You're fighting for the division. You've clinched the playoff spot. Can you keep that fight up for the rest of the season and the rest of the postseason? Because some teams, you know, they win they clinch a postseason and they let up until the postseason and they can't get up again, right? It teams that consistently fight through the rest of the way and play good ball and win their games. That's how they uh, go on these sustained runs through the postseason, right? So Miami looking to do that. Baltimore, this is an interesting game for them because they're coming off knocking San Francisco in the mouth on Monday night in the showdown in prime time on Christmas Day. Now they come back home. They welcome in another good team, a playoff team. And I'm worried about Baltimore for a little bit of a letdown spot, but also I think we get a really good game either way. Because um, I don't think Miami would ever blow out Baltimore on the road. I, I just don't see that happening. Um, so if Baltimore doesn't have their A game, I think um, they can still hang around and make it a game. Miami can win it. But I think these two games in the NFL, one in the NFC, one in the AFC, four contenders – I know there's some other games where there's some contenders playing, but they're also playing a lot of bad teams. But the, these two games, the one on Saturday night with Detroit and Dallas and the one on Sunday afternoon with Miami-Baltimore, I think these are games that you got to highlight in the NFL across this football weekend. Now, go to the college game. Of course, we got Michigan, the number one overall team, Bama, the number four in the Rose Bowl, and you have two versus three, Washington versus Texas in the Sugar Bowl in the semifinals for the college football playoff. Gigantic games, gigantic stakes. It's the last year. There's only four teams, so I'm sure, you know, if teams, it, it, let's say Bama doesn't win a bunch when they go to the 12 team or or, or Clemson, people will be like, well, when it was four teams, we would win it. You know what I mean? So um, when it was harder to get in, we would win it. You know, I don't know. So there is this kind of closing of this early playoff because for the longest time they're like, okay. You're a national champion. We've decided. You're in the poll. You've you've won the national championship. Like, yo, what? How did we figure that? It wasn't the best two teams play each other on a field. No, it was just decided. And then they did do one versus two. 
and teams were pissed off. Now they get to the playoff, teams still pissed off, and now they go to the 12 team, so we'll see what happens. But the end of an era, in a sense. We're not ending the playoff, but we are ending the 14 playoff. So um, Bama has had gigantic success in it. Michigan's had a little bit of success getting to it recently, but not the success of winning a game and getting to a natty. Texas, you would have thought at the end of the BCS that Texas would have had multiple postseason opportunities. They did not. Oklahoma took a couple from them, right? So um, this is their first appearance in the four-team playoff. Washington went early on, hasn't come back. Here they are again. So can Washington, who played Alabama, couldn't do anything really offensively and got uh, beat in that semifinal, now their second appearance. So I think we're going to have four great ga- uh, two great games. There's four awesome teams. You know, unfortunately, we haven't had the the year in this fourth team playoff where we've had three good, uh, two good semifinals and the Natty be a good football game. So uh, it's mainly been bad semifinals and a good Natty, or you get a couple good semifinals and a bad Natty. Um, wherever the case may be, these are two gigantic games that we will do deep dives into, and then the rest of the year six. The Cotton Bowl is interesting. Mizzou against Ohio State. Like, yeah, Ohio State doesn't have a court, and they got a lot of transfers, and Harrison's not playing, but. It's still Ohio State, and it's still a great program. And Mizzou has an opportunity to beat them. And Mizzou, this is like their Super Bowl. This is like one of the biggest games in, in Mizzou history. And the fact that, yeah, they, Ohio State are sitting guys and people are transferring, they're not going to care. Mizzou's not going to give one you know, iota about that. They're not going to care. And I think that's going to show. And I understand that Ohio State is even probably more talented without you know, Accord and some of these guys because the talent gap is so different. Even though Mizzou is in the SEC, it's just like uh, Ohio State is that type of team. Um, that's just that top, you know, echelon tier, whatever you want to call it. But Mizzou's going to be up for that game. I'm very excited for that Mizzou team. Peach Bowl, Ole Miss, Penn State. Listen, Penn State has shown that they're going to beat up on teams that they should beat. And when they have to step up, they're not going to win. So I kind of presume that Ole Miss is a play here, and I think Ole Miss is the pick. Um, and that's going to be an interesting game with Lane going up against James Franklin, who James Franklin, I'm sure, you know, could get coaching offers even though he hasn't won a big game, but he'll get a raise because Happy Valley likes him. I don't know. We'll see. Orange Bowl, the t- one of the best freeze frames are still graphics from, obviously, the outcome of the college football playoff, but this whole college football season has been Kirby Smart and Norvell doing the Zoom announcement of them going to the Orange Bowl, Georgia, and Florida State after Florida State being left out of the postseason after being undefeated champion of their conference in Georgia, who just won every game except the last game of the season, and they got left out as well. So uh, that was one of the best free streams. Florida State has uh, the kid that was going to play for Travis is transferring. Florida State has a lot of guys that are not playing. Georgia, I'm sure, doesn't have a, as many guys not playing, but I – Georgia's just so loaded. I think Florida State's not there yet. Georgia is, so it can be Georgia. That's going to be an interesting one, too. And Fiesta Bowl, you got Liberty, Oregon. Liberty trying to cap off one of their greatest seasons ever, if not their greatest season in Oregon. If they lose to Washington once and beat them the second time, they have an argument to be in the postseason in the playoff, but they lose twice to Washington and beat everybody else, so that's tough. That's really tough for the Ducks. Uh, but that's an interesting Fiesta Bowl because if Liberty can hang around, can they get you know the neutral in that stadium to believe in them? I don't know. It's 
that kind of gives me the feel of like one of those early round NCAA uh, tournament games where you got a lot of neutrals or a lot of fans of other teams rooting for the underdog. And if they can get to the under 12 timeout or the second half or the under eight within the game, everybody really starts getting fired up. Liberty's got to be in the game in the third, fourth quarter if they got a chance. Because otherwise it's going to get ugly because the talent gap is just too big. So you got the Fiesta Bowl with Oregon and Liberty. A gigantic holiday football weekend. And let's deep dive into it more. Let's start with the NFL Week 17 preview now. Continue here with Thursday night is the New York Football Jets and the Cleveland Browns. No Zach Wilson. <laughs> it ain't going to be Aaron Rodgers, that's for sure. So Simeon against Flacco. Flacco has done an excellent job. You got to give cool Joe Flacco a lot of credit coming in for this Cleveland Browns team that is missing Deshaun Watson. They went to DTR. They went to P.J. Walker. They didn't like it, so they go to the old vet, Joe Flacco, and all he's come in is throwing touchdown passes. Yeah, has he turned the ball over? Has he thrown a bunch of picks? Yeah, but he's won a lot of games. So I expect Cleveland to win this football game just because defensively with Garrett and a bunch of those, they're outstanding. And offensively, Flacco is doing enough, throwing it to Amari Cooper. Ford has done enough in the run game to like keep Kareem Hunt at bay with carries. So that shows you enough how much they you know consider uh, Ford going forward in that backfield. And for the Jets, like they go up twenty-seven-seven, they almost blow the game. I know, you know, I kind of like Salah, but I understand people are out on him. I feel like this is a whole do-over season for the Jets with what happened to them so early in their season. And could they hang around and make this game interesting, especially short week, all that kind of stuff? Sure. But Cleveland is a better team. So give me the Browns. Saturday night, Detroit-Dallas. We already started talking about this game in the kickoff. You know I love Goff and Dan Campbell. I like a lot of the Lions players. I like a lot of the players on defense, but I just don't think that defense is complete enough to hang with a Cowboys team that if they are on their game, which they have been at home, that defense doesn't give up scores, and offensively, they just score on drives. They either get touchdowns or find a way to get Aubrey field goals. That's just what they do offensively. So if the Detroit defense is not a, a awake as we and they haven't played that great to be honest um, if they're not ready to go if they're not ready to stop tack and get some turnovers they could be in for a long night and then therefore their offense has to be ready to go with Goff and and that two-headed monster Montgomery and Gibbs if Montgomery and Gibbs can run the football the Lions can go into Dallas and win that game I mean it's clear as day. If you can run the football against the Cowboys, you can stay on the field. The Cowboys are built to play with the lead and, and rush the passer. I mean, that's obvious. You know, play defense, play coverage, try to get turnovers. It's tough for the Cowboys to play from behind or even in early game situations where it is so close and teams are running the football. So the Cowboys can do a good job on Montgomery and Gibbs. They win the game. If the Lions can effectively run the football and also get off the field on defense, they win the game and get a big road win. I think the Cowboys, they've done a really good job of not having losing streaks. In the past, when they would go 8-8 uh, eight and eight or you know when there were 16 games, they had these stretches where they would win four in a row and lose three in a row. And, and then there were a couple years where they would win two, lose one, win one, right? And then like the fluctuation, but... 
this year with the two-game losing streak, this is the first time they lost two games with McCarthy, to be fair, and, 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 you know, to give him credit. So I think Cowboys' losing streak ends, find a way at home. They've been such a good home team. I think that continues. Give me the Cowboys at home. All right, Miami Baltimore, two and Waddle banged up for the Dolphins. I think this is, I don't want to call it a letdown spot for Baltimore because you could argue it's a letdown spot for Miami as well. But Miami still hasn't finished off the division, even though they're coming off clinching the postseason against the Cowboys and a big win on uh, Christmas Eve in a big spot. Baltimore, all eyes watching, primetime game, went into San Francisco, bullied the Niners, one of the best teams in the league, and said, no, we're the best team in the league. Now, they come home, they welcome in another good team. I think the Dolphins are alive here, especially if Tua and Waddle are healthy enough to go. If they're not healthy enough to go, they're in trouble for sure. But I like Miami to steal one here. A lot of people talking about Miami can't win on the road. Like, this December, there are upsets that happen. That's why people lose survivor pools. People have horrible picks against the spread, all these kind of things, right? I'm not alluding to anything when I say that. No, um, but I think Miami can score an upset here, and I think they will. They beat them there a few years ago when uh, Baltimore built the lead, and then they came back on them. It was an outstanding comeback. Give me Miami. Uh, Tennessee and Houston should be both uh, young quarterbacks in for both these franchises. Levis and Stroud both should be back for the Titans and Texans, respectively. Therefore, I like Stroud. I like Stroud and the Texans in this spot. I, I, I don't mind Levis. I think Levis can play. I think he can be a quarterback in this league from what I've seen so far in his young career because that team isn't that good, and he's been hanging in there doing all right. But with Stroud and in Houston, it's different, and he gets that offense going. He makes plays. They believe in him to make the big play in the big spot. I love Houston at home against Tennessee. I know it's in division. I know it'll be tough. I know Tennessee won't just go quietly into the night because Henry will have to heat up. At some point, he's going to have a big game again. There's only two games left, right, in this regular season. All that being said, I still love Stroud coming back giving the Texans a boost at home, crowd fired up, chance to go to the postseason, haven't done that in a while, give me Houston at home. New England and Buffalo. This is an interesting game in the fact that can Belichick beat the Bills possibly one last time? Can he spoil the Bills' uh, you know, stretch run where they got to win out, possibly get in the, win the division if everything goes right, but definitely need to get into the postseason if they win out right? Can Belichick one more time spoil it for Buffalo? I think that's kind of the narrative for the Patriots if he's going to leave. And for the Bills, listen, even if he does come back, uh, you'd still love to beat him right now. But if he is going to leave, you want to give him a loss for everything he's done to you, right? So I think Buffalo here, they're playing better. I know they squeak by that Charger game when they shouldn't have. They didn't play great but they dismantled the Cowboys. They're back at home. I know it's in division, but the Pats, I know they're coming off spoiling the Broncos uh, Christmas Eve, but back-to-back -back road games. This one's in division. The, the Bills have everything to play for. The Pats have really nothing to play for except spoiling. Is that enough to go up against a team that needs the win really bad? I don't think so. Give me the Bills. Rams and the New York football Giants. In the Meadowlands, Tyrod Taylor's going to be in for DeVito. 
honestly, the Vito stuff is fun. You know, the, the version of Lynn Sanity was great for the Giants. They got everybody, a lot of people talking about the Giants positively, which they had not been talking about the Giants positively uh, this season, that's for sure. But now, I think the change to Taylor makes sense to try to, you know, at least beat the Eagles next week or uh, give them a game and then possibly give the Rams a game this week because the Rams are playing to get into the postseason. I think the Rams are a postseason team, in my opinion. When Stafford isn't, you know, hanging on by a thread medically and McVay is motivated, ready to go, they are so good. Cup and Nakua have been a dynamic combination. Robinson's emerged as well. Um, Kyler Williams has been great in the backfield where they've had so many injuries at that running back position. He's emerged for them in a big spot. Defensively, they're making plays. And I think I know it's on the road, but McVay is such a good coach. Stafford is the vet. He's got a Super Bowl. And I think they don't win the Super Bowl this year by any stretch of the imagination, but they understand how to fight and get to the postseason. And it would be a hell of a game if Matt Stafford's LA Rams went to Detroit for Detroit's first home playoff game in a long time, and it was Matt Stafford quarterbacking against them after he was there for so many years. Um, so I'm going to take the Rams against the G-Men. Because even though Taylor is better than DeVito, I don't know how motivated the G-Men are. San Francisco and Washington. Brissett is going to be in for Howell. Ron Rivera named that. Now the Niners are coming off that loss against the Ravens. They have to travel all the way to Landover, Virginia, to that horrific stadium. Terrible stadium, as we know. They need a new building. They need it fast, that's for sure. That's probably on the number one list of Josh Harris, I'm sure, uh, the owner. So, Niners, everything tells you, and, and, and it, it feels like the Niners in a big bounce-back spot absolutely blow out the Washington Commanders because the Commanders are not a good football team. They're just not. Um. They went down 20 to nothing against the Jets, 27-7. The way that game was played, it looked like they wanted to quit. I understand they fight back, and Brissett made some plays fine, but that's against the Jets. This is against a Niner team that just lost and is pissed off in a big spot. So, uh, lost in a big spot and pissed off is, is what I should say. I should have ordered that sentence differently. But anyway, it's Niners big in Washington. Arizona and Philly up next. Jonathan Gannon returns to Philly after being the D.C. Now he's the head coach of the Cardinals. I, I don't really have a lot on this game besides the Eagles. Here's a chance to play 60 minutes against a bad team that's not in your division, that can't, you know, muck it up or annoy you, that kind of all that stuff, right, that the Giants could have done or a commanders have done to them the last couple of years, right? Um, even though the Giants are never going to win in Philly again, it seems like 11 years in a row now. They haven't won in that building, which is kind of a disgrace if you're a Giant fan, but nevertheless, Arizona goes to that building now, Link. And the Eagles can do a lot for themselves, even though they're only playing the Cardinals and the Giants these last two weeks. If they play 60 minutes this Sunday, 60 minutes next Sunday, complete football, win the game by a couple scores, going away, play complimentary football, play a good two weeks of football, they can answer a lot of critics, even though it's against two bad teams. And I won't move the goalpost against them by saying that because – I understand a win is a win is a win, for sure. But when you're a contender, you want to be winning impressively. You don't want to be letting teams hang around because if you let better teams hang around, that's how you lose on those days, right? 
So I think Philly wins the game because Arizona, I don't think, is a good football team. Kyler Murray's going to have to play out of his mind for him to win. I don't think he can do that on the road in a, in a hostile environment. That will be the Eagles when they're fighting for the division. Give me the Eagles. New Orleans and Tampa, gigantic game in the NFC South. Tampa's been feeling it. A couple wins in a row, playing some better ball. Bake's been throwing it well. They've been running the ball with White. Defensively, they made some changes around there, but they're playing okay. Um, New Orleans, when they're not banged up and they get Kamara going offensively, they look competent. But when they're struggling and they're not able to sustain drives and they're punting the ball after three and outs, all that kind of stuff, they look like a horrendous offense. Now, what type of which New Orleans team shows up in Tampa? If it's a team with offense, they got a chance to win the game. If it's a team without offense, they ain't winning the game. Tampa's looked that good and have played that better of ball. So uh, give me the Bucks at home in a big spot in that division. Carolina and Jacksonville, the status and story of this game, the story of this game is the status of Trevor Lawrence. It's in the air with his injured shoulder. He's been banged up. I understand Houston is hanging around and could possibly win that division, and maybe Jacksonville doesn't make the postseason. But if this is your guy, if Trevor Lawrence is your guy going forward, I don't think you give you, you throw him out there in this game. If you can't beat the Carolina Panthers at home without your franchise quarterback and a, and a competent back backup in Beth Hard and a better team, you don't deserve to go to the postseason. Like there are games where your backup should win the should you know, not lose the game for you. I'll say it that way. Not win the game for you. They shouldn't lose the game for you. Be the game manager. You have the better team. You have the better coach. Win the game. And I think that's what Jacksonville has to do. And don't force Lawrence to play or don't let him play if he's cleared because he's not. Like, that's crazy. And you still have next week anyway. So, um, Jacksonville, even if Lawrence doesn't play. Atlanta and Chicago. Atlanta's got to go on the road. Outdoors, if it's weather, I think they're really in trouble. If there's not a lot of weather, I think they can win the game outright, and it could be a high-scoring, interesting game. If there's weather, I think both teams are in trouble. Fields, to me, isn't a, a bad-weather quarterback. He's a guy that likes to move. Now, could he scramble and maybe break some plays because people have bad footing? Maybe, but he's also going to have bad footing as well. So um, if there's weather, I don't, you know, I, I lean towards... You would hope the Bears at home with their weather, but I don't know. I'm I don't know where I would go with this game. I I think Atlanta has the chance to get into the postseason. The Bears do not. Um, if this game was in Atlanta, I'd love the Falcons. Well, I wouldn't love the Falcons, but I'd I'd say hey, Falcons win this game at home. Um, coming off beating the Colts, but they kicked too many field goals. But they kicked a lot of field goals, and I need have coup, so that's fine. Uh, give me. The Falcons win the game on the road. Why not? Vegas and Indianapolis. Antonio Pierce doing everything he can to put together this resume to be the head coach next season. To get them, uh, trying to get them to strip away that interim tag. Indianapolis not playing well. Um, the Richardson injury changed the course of their season. Everybody knows that. But Minshew hasn't been you know, horrific, but he's just not a franchise quarterback. He's a good backup. He's a guy that can give you a couple spot starts here and there. Or for a stretch of games, but he can't, you know, be a franchise quarterback. Nobody's asking him to do that. And Vegas won a really interesting way in Kansas City with their defense. Because if they don't get those two defensive touchdowns, that's an entirely different game. Now, of course, you could, 
if candy and nuts and all those all the phrases, right? But they didn't complete a pass after the first quarter. That's alarming in this league. This ain't the Big Ten with J.J. McCarthy against Penn State, okay? Uh, we'll get to Michigan in a second, but Raiders might have to complete a few more passes this week, that's for sure, but I think they still win the game. Pittsburgh and Seattle should be Rudolph again for the Steelers in the absence of Pickett. Um, Seattle, the comeback win against Tennessee, give them credit. Pittsburgh, a dismantling of the Bengals on a Saturday afternoon it was, right? So, full teams coming off wins. Pitts, both teams have opportunity to postseason. Um, I think Pittsburgh's defense travels, but Seattle finds a way to win the game. So, low scoring, 24-20, something like that. Uh, I think Seattle wins. Chargers-Denver, Stidham will be the quarterback for Russell Wilson. Uh, Broncos already reportedly going to cut Russell Wilson in March of next year. I mean, that, I'm sure Seattle Seahawks fans are ecstatic and laughing, saying, we robbed you, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but Stidham for Russ. Listen, Sean Payne, I think, is a good football coach. I think he's a good football mind, he's a Super Bowl champ, all that, all the accolades, you got to give him credit. But um, he doesn't do a great job of taking blame or accountability, to be fair. And if he thinks it's all Russ, like, I don't think it's all Russ, is it, you know, does Russ get some of the blame? Sure, but I think uh, Sean Payne should get some as well, but I don't know. So Stidham for Russ and Easton Stick for the Chargers. I mean, what a garbage game this is. Broncos coming off the loss of the Pats. Chargers coming off the loss of the Bills. Just not a good football game. I guess Broncos at home. Then you got Cincinnati, Kansas City. Kansas City needs a win in the worst way. Uh, they've been struggling. They've had their issues with either the officials themselves, the other teams. Um, and they got to find a way to win a football game at home. Bengals coming to town with Browning, not Burrow. Some injuries, some new faces for that Bengal team. I think at some point Kansas City has to play some better football, and I think it starts this week because they're probably going to have to go on the road in the postseason for the first time, and it's going to be a challenge, and it's going to be an easy way for people to knock Mahomes or whatever. But remember, folks, right? defense travels when you have a really good one that can stop the run in the first quarter. I'll say that before people start knocking my Cowboys, right? Um, so I think Kansas City wins the game. Green Bay, Minnesota will take you into the new year or probably just prior to it. They probably want the game to end at like 11.45 um, <laughs> so they can take up as much of that Dick Clark stuff nonsense. Ryan Seacrest, rest in peace, Dick Clark, obviously. Uh, but Green Bay, Minnesota. Listen, Green Bay, fortunate to hold on against the Panthers. Probably could have lost somehow. Shouldn't have ever not been in the game. You know, that game should have been over. They let Carolina back in. Minnesota with Mullins. He's a nightmare throwing the ball. It's the turnover machine. Even with Jefferson just hucking it up to him. He's still making plays, but he's still a terrible quarterback. Uh, Green Bay, better team. I think slightly better coach team. Give me the 
Packers. And then again, no Monday Night Football with the college football playoff semifinals. And let's get into the college football playoff semifinals right now. Rose Bowl, Bama against Michigan. Number one, Michigan. Number four, Bama, Michigan. 13-0, Big Ten champs, third year in a row, third playoff appearance in a row. The first was a loss to a better Georgia team that went on to win the Natty. The second last year was a gut-wrenching shootout loss to TCU where they had some mistakes that they would love to have back. And now this year, they are the number one seed. They're looking to beat Bama and get to the national championship with this offense. J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corman, Edwards, the backs, Wilson and Johnson, the receivers, Loveland, the tight end. They need the O-line to be healthy, and this is nearly as healthy as it's been. So that is the Michigan offense. McCarthy, who hasn't necessarily featured in a lot of Michigan wins, but he's had a solid season. It's really been the running game of Corum and Edwards. And this number two overall defense, Harold, Stewart, Moore, each have over four sacks. Uh, Sandra Still, Wallace, Johnson, Page, Moore on the back end. Sandra Still has the picks. An outstanding defense. We'll get to the red zone third down stuff in a second. Now, Bama, the SEC champs, their only loss to Texas, who's also in the postseason. Eighth playoff appearance for Nick Saban's Crimson Tide. They have three national championships, three runners-up. Their only loss in the semifinals was the first year of the playoff against Ohio State in, where was that, New Orleans, I believe. I'm pretty sure that game was. Um, when you look at Bama, Milrow, the point guard, as Nick Saban calls him, one of the offensive quarterback. McClellan didn't play in the SEC title game. Could he be back for this game? That would be big. If not, it will be Williams, the uh, running back that will carry the rock for them. Burton and Bond, the receivers, Dupree, the tight end. And then on defense, they have the number 19 defense overall. Turner, Braswell, Edabogi, the pass rush, seven-plus sacks. All-American duo at corner with Arnold and McKinstry. Arnold has a bunch of picks. People don't throw up McKinstry, to be fair to him. Keenan and Otis in the middle, and then Campbell, Larson, the linebackers, Downs, also a leading tackler along uh, Campbell and Larson. So those are the playmakers. Let's get to some of the stats. Third down, Bama is 46.7% on offense to convert third down. Gives them number 15 overall in offense ranking against the number 15 uh, overall defense on third down for Michigan. They just give, uh, give up 30%. So that is a Big, big matchup. Can Bama have manageable third downs and convert and sustain drives against a Michigan defense that is very, very good at, one, getting off the field and also getting turnovers. We'll get to that in a second. Michigan and also the red zone. I mean, it's just an outstanding Michigan defense. Uh, Michigan, when they have the ball, they are just 46.7% as well, number 16 on offense. So uh, you could call them tied, fine. Bama, 25th on defense. They uh, give up just under 34%. Red zone. Bama, the number seven offense. Michigan, the number three defense. So, Bama third down. Mich uh, Bama red zone when they have the ball against that Michigan defense. Those are going to be uh, two places of emphasis that you got to watch. Who's going to give there? Which matchup? And then red zone offense for Michigan against Bama defense. Michigan's ranked 37. Bama's ranked 51st. Turnover margin. Michigan, they turn you over. Number two in turnover margin, plus 17. Offense only has seven giveaways, which is pretty strong. But the defense, they've gotten 24 turnovers. Bama is ranked 20th with a plus eight margin. Offense has 10 giveaways. Defense has gotten 
18 turnovers. And then you got, uh, I think it's stats.com, the special rank, special teams rankings index. Bama's ranked three. Michigan's ranked 69. Reichert is the kicker for Bama. No missed extra points. He's 20 for 23 with field goals. Three for three from 50 plus 51 as his long turner has missed one extra point on 59 attempts. 16 of 18 field goals, a long of 50. Now, for the pick and kind of where I'm leaning in this game, whichever quarterback plays better, I think their team wins. If Milrow is able to run when it breaks down, make plays when it th with his arm when it's there to make plays with the in the passing game, um, if they can get touchdowns in the red zone, I think that's gigantic for them. As we just mentioned, the numbers with the Michigan defense, they got to take care of the ball. If Alabama can do those things, they win. Now on the other side, for J.J. McCarthy, if he's the best quarterback on the field, if he's able to make the right plays in the right moments, and if Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards can run the ball efficiently and effectively against that Bama defense, I think Michigan can certainly play themselves in the national championship. I think even though it's one versus four, the spread is like one, one and a half for Michigan. I... It's really hard to pick against Bama. And this Michigan team, third time's a charm. They're the number one seed. I understand it's Bama that they get through, but if they beat Bama, they'll probably be favored in the natty as well. So this is this is Michigan's opportunity here in this last four-team playoff. But Michigan has had a lot of distractions with the Harbaugh suspension. Um, they... It's not a knock on them necessarily because Michigan State has stunk um, and some of their other teams in the Big Ten haven't played well and they don't have the biggest or best out-of-conference schedule to be fair with names, even though UNLV won their league, if I'm not mistaken. They only play two gigantic games where Bama, LSU's a big game, A&M's a big game, Auburn, we know, is a big game. They just played Georgia in the title game. Bama is battle-tested. This is one of Saban's best coaching jobs without the best talent that he's had. So even though Michigan, third time's a charm, the hardball story, all these kind of things, I'm just going to lean Bama. I just have a feeling because, guys, Bama, and you could argue, well, they don't, you say, uh, the point is they don't lose in the semifinal. Well, this is the last year of the four, and they lost in the first year of the four, so it would be poetic for them. No, I'm going to go Bama. I'm going to go Bama 24-20. I think Milrow is the quarterback that plays a little bit better than J.J. McCarthy, and that effectively puts Bama over Michigan. Sugar Bowl, number three, Texas. Number two, Washington. Washington, the unbeaten Pac-12 champs, second playoff appearance. They had the semifinal loss to Bama in 2013. Their offense features Penix, the lefty, Johnson in the backfield, Oduzzi, Polk, McMillan, Bernard, the weapons in the passing game. On defense, it's a Washington defense that, unfortunately, doesn't really get to the quarterback and ranked total 90 in total defense. Uh, Trice is the sack leader but with five. They got a lot of seniors in the middle of the defense, whether that's at nose tackle, D tackle, middle linebacker. And then on the back end, Powell, Muhammad, Hampton, they're going to have to be active. Um, against that Texas passing game if Texas is going to bring it with yours. Now, Texas, Big 12 chance, one loss to Oklahoma. Their big win was the win over Bama, and I should mention Washington had the big wins over Oregon, the twin wins there. First playoff appearance for Texas. Ewers is the QB. 
They're missing their big running back. It'll be Baxter in for him. Worthy, Mitchell, Washington, the receiver. Sanders is the tight end. Now defensively, the Longhorns, number 24 overall in defense. Burke, Hill, Murphy have five sacks each. Sweat, a big player in the middle. Taffy, Brooks, Thompson, three picks from them. And the rest of the DBs, Crawford, Watts, Barron, they will have to have an impact on this game positively for Texas if they're going to go to the national championship. Look at the numbers now. Third down, Washington is 48% offensively to convert. Number 11 overall offensively against Texas. Number two defense, 27%. So just like the Alabama-Michigan game, third down, we got a great matchup here. Washington, number 11 overall offensively. Texas, number two. So a team that sustains drive in Washington against a team that gets off the field in Texas. Third down is going to be fascinating in this game, especially when Washington has the ball. Now you look at the other way. Texas the offense, 68 overall, but 39%. Not bad. Washington's defense is 81st in third down. They do not get off the field a lot, giving up just over 40%. So um, not great. Now red zone, Texas's defense is outstanding. Washington's offense isn't great. 62 overall offensively, Texas defense three. So Texas does a great job of making you kick field goals and not giving up touchdowns. Now, Vice versa, Texas offense in the red zone is not good. 87 overall, and Washington's defense isn't good either, so maybe they can uh, take advantage of playing a bad Washington red zone defense, ranked 72nd overall. Now, turnovers, Texas number 25 in turnover margin at plus 7. The offense has 16 giveaways. Defense has 24 takeaways. Washington 60th in turnover margin, plus 1. 17 giveaways, 18 turnovers. That's what Texas will have to do. They will have to hold on to the football and get it from the Washington Huskies. Special teams rankings according to stats.com index. Texas number 38, Washington number 50. The kickers, Auburn, no missed extra points for the Longhorns. 28 of 34 in field goals along of 54 on the season. Gross for the Huskies. No missed extra points. 13 of 17 field goals, not a ton, and no attempts from 50-plus. I think if the Huskies can pass it around the yard, they win the game. But if they struggle to sustain drives against that Texas defense, that's the way the Longhorns stay in it and win the game. And Washington has won so many close games. Can they win another one? Can they win another two? Sure. But at some point, your football, your, your ball luck has to run out. It just has to. We've there, There's so few perfect seasons, and there's so few perfect seasons that you know, have so many close wins. Like, the perfect season that I'm thinking of have a ton of blowout wins. Yeah, a couple wins here or there that are close, but the majority of them are blowout wins. Can Washington almost have a whole entire run to the natty of close wins? I don't think so. I think Texas is so talented that if they're in the game, they can win the game. And if it is a blowout, I think it's Texas blowing out Washington, not the other way around. Washington, with Penix in the first half of the season... They could almost be unbeatable in this second half of the season. Even though they haven't lost, they've looked beatable. They've looked like they could get touched up. So um, I'm going to go in this one, Texas 34-28. And I think we we somehow get set up for a Bama-Texas rematch. So that's what I'm thinking. Now the rest of the bowl games, Alamo Bowl is Arizona-Oklahoma. You got the Sun Bowl is Oregon State-Notre Dame. Rely Quest is Wisconsin LSU. I feel like Wisconsin LSU have played each other a couple of bowl, bowl games. Citrus Bowl, Iowa, Tennessee. That's an interesting one. And then I already mentioned the New York Six. We got Cotton 
Mizzou, Ohio State, Peach, Ole Miss, Penn State, Orange, UGA, FSU, and Fiesta, Liberty, Oregon. All right, midweek festive fixtures. Newcastle, Forest. Newcastle actually scored first, but it was Forest three in a row. Isak from the spot made it 1-0 Forest, but then three Chris Wood goals. A hat trick for Wood makes it 3-1 Forest. Sheffield United, Luton, Luton win it 3-2. Dowdy, McBurney, and Azamadokic. That waited 2-1 Sheffield, but then two own goals gave Luton the 3-2 win. Bournemouth beat Fulham 3-0. Kluivert, Solanke from the spot, and Sinistera, the goal scorers there. Burnley and Liverpool at Turf Moor. Liverpool win at 2-0. Nunez and Jota off the bench, the goal scorers for Liverpool, who had two other goals chalked off. For, um, one was a foul, one was an offside. Tierney was the referee. Man U Villa, what a match and result and win for Manchester United. They went down 2-0 at home to, to Villa, who could have went top of the table with a win. McGinn with a free kick all the way through. Dendonker, a set-piece goal. Then it was a Garnacho goal that got turned away. And a Garnacho goal that counted. A second goal from Garnacho that counted. And then Hoyland, who had not scored a goal in the Prem. What a moment to score your first goal in the Prem. A winner for Manchester United at Old Trafford. After rallying from being down 2-0, a big goal for Rasmus Hoyland and Manchester United, who beat Villa 3-2. Chelsea and Crystal Palace, London Derby at Stanford Bridge. Chelsea went at 2-1. Mudrick got the scoring starter for Chelsea. Olise brought one back for Crystal Palace. And then Madueke from the spot after he earned the penalty himself. Brentford Wolves, Wolves hammer the Bees. 4-1. Lamina, Hawang. Wisa, Hawang for his brace, and Belgarde, the goal scorers. Wolves, dominant, 4-1 on the road. Everton, Man City. Everton scored first, but Man City scored three, and they went at 3-1. Harrison, the opener against his former club that he never made a senior appearance for in uh, loans to NYCFC and other clubs, Leeds, and now at Everton. Uh, Foden, Alvarez from the spot, Silva, the Man City goal scorers. And then the festive fixtures continue. On Thursday, you got Brighton and Tottenham. Arsenal-West Ham, gigantic contest for both um, both matches there. Then at the weekend, Luton-Chelsea, Villa-Burnley, Crystal Palace-Brentford-London Derby there. Manchester City-Sheffield United. You got Wolves-Everton, which is a gigantic six-pointer now. Forest-Manchester United with uh, Man U trying to continue with the wins. Fulham-Arsenal, Tottenham-Bournemouth, and then Liverpool-Newcastle in Anfield on New Year's Day, the only game on New Year's Day. Serie A, Napoli, Monza, Genoa, Inter, Lazio, Frosinone, Atalanta, Lecce, AC Milan, Sassuolo, Juve, and Roma, and then college basketball. Slowly starting to come back here. You got Creighton, Marquette, which is a gigantic game, a gigantic game in the Big East. And you got Wichita State, Kansas, and Wichita State, fortunate, is going to play Kansas State and Kansas in this year, and uh, I think they already lost to Kansas State, so they are going to have to play big against Kansas, that's for sure. All right, uh, let's go to the picks portion of the program, and that starts with Survivor Pool Locks. Survivor Pool Locks, 35 and 13. Try to get you 3-0 for week 17 here. If you're still in your pool, good luck. Maybe cut a deal. Take some out. Play for the rest. You don't got to take it all out. Play for the rest. That's fine. But take some out. 
you're in for it's it's probably the percentage is insane. Anyway, pay number one. We're gonna go Cleveland at home against the New York Football Jets on Thursday night. I understand it's just a short week. I understand it's a primetime game. Browns have playoff aspirations. I understand the quarterback hasn't been the best. The quarterback play hasn't been the best, but Flacco has been solid since coming in. They've been winning football games. And I think they beat the Jets at home on a Thursday night. Pick number two. I know this is on the road. It's his West Coast team coming all the way east, so that's a concern. But I like the L.A. Rams to take on the New York football Giants. I think the Giants fought back in that half against the Eagles. And if they're going to win any game out of the next two, it is the next week against the Eagles in the division game where they can play spoiler. Not this week against the Rams in a game that they might not really care about. So I'm going to go Rams pick number two in New York, take on the G-Men. Jersey as a proud jersey. And pick number three, I know this is in division, and it is going up against Belichick, which you rarely do, but Buffalo has to have the game. New England, nothing to play for besides spoiler, especially only if it's Bill's last year. We don't know that. Maybe he's told people, maybe not. But I'm going to go Buffalo, even though it's in division. They got to win the games to keep their playoff hopes alive. And I think they could absolutely handle New England. So, sorry, pull locks for Week 17. Cleveland at home against the New York Football Jets. Rams on the road taking on the New York Football Giants. And the Bills at home against the New England Patriots. 35-13. and 13. Sorry, pull locks for Week 17. All right. And now we go to the next picks portion of the show, which is the pick six, the FFFSOSS pick six for week 17 in the National Football League, the league where they play. Pepeck. All right, we tried something last week. We tried for a holiday six-pack of unders. And remember, it's just as hard to go, or it's just as impressive to go 0-6 as it is 6-0. But we move on. 49-44-3. Try to finish the season on a high note with these two weeks here. 12 picks left. Let's get it right. All right. Saturday night. No, it's not an under. I think the Cowboys win this game going away against the Detroit Lions. Cowboys minus six. They need the game. Detroit's coming off, clinching the division. I think it's a letdown spot, even though it's a primetime game, even though it is a big spot. Jimmy Johnson night. Cowboys can't lose on Jimmy Johnson night. Cowboys can't not cover on Jimmy Johnson night. Cowboys minus six against the Detroit Lions. They're begging to take the Lions. Cowboys have lost two in a row. Lions just won the division. Plus six, plus seven. Oh, give me the Lions. No, other way, Cowboys minus six. Pick number one. Pick number two. I like the Miami Dolphins in this spot. I think they can catch Baltimore riding a high. Maybe a little too high. I understand the Dolphins just clinched, so they could be riding a high too high. 
but I like something about this Miami team. They proved a lot to me after the Cowboys took the lead and they went right down the field and got a field goal to win the game. I thought that was very impressive. So I think they at least hang around. And if Tucker beats them late with the field goal, we still cover. So give me Miami plus four in Baltimore. Pick number two. Pick number three. I like this kid. I don't. I didn't know if I liked this kid before. I was unsure of him. But I like C.J. Stroud. I'm not afraid to admit it. And he's back for Houston. I understand Levis is back for Tennessee. But Stroud and this Houston Texans team, they got a little swagger about them. They got a little attitude about them. They got a little strut about them that I like. And I know it's in division. And I know it's a big spot. And the Texans are fighting for this postseason. And they got to welcome him back. But C.J. Stroud, I think the Texans win the game minus four and cover. So Texans minus four at home against the Tennessee Titans, pick number three. Pick number four. Niners, big bounce back spot for them. I think with the Commanders going to Brissett, them nearly being a two touchdown dog, you think a lot of people be on them? No. I'm away from them. I don't want to be near them. Niners, bounce back big. They got embarrassed in prime time. That rarely happens. I think offensively, Purdy will respond. I think defensively, they will respond. And I, and I don't know how Washington scores at all. So give me Niners minus 12, pick number four. Pick number five. I think the Chiefs bounce back. Give me Chiefs minus six against Cincinnati. I like the Chiefs to bounce back at some point. The Chiefs have to play better football offensively just because of the talent that Mahomes has and Kelsey. So pick number five, Chiefs minus six against Cincy. Cincy's been fun. Browning's been a fun story enough. Cincy, uh, KC minus six. And then I will throw an under in here. You thought I would get away with no unders. I'm throwing in an under. Green Bay, Minnesota under 47. I think... New Year's Eve, people are going to be, you know, switching over. Oh, that game stinks. Nobody wants to watch that game. Put the put the Ryan Seacrest on, right? I think it's low scoring. I think it's a garbage game. Green Bay ends up winning it. But, Sunday, uh, yeah, Sunday night. Green Bay, Minnesota, under 47. So, let's recap. Dallas minus six against Detroit. Pick number one on Saturday night. Miami plus four in Baltimore. Houston giving the four versus Tennessee. Niners giving 12 in Washington. KC minus six at home against Cincinnati. Green Bay, Minnesota under 47 Sunday night football. Try to bounce back for this week 17 and the pick six. Dallas Cowboys minus six against the Detroit Lions. Miami Dolphins plus four in Baltimore taking on the Ravens. 
Houston Texans minus four at home against the Tennessee Titans. Niners given 12 coming from San Francisco going to Washington. Take on the Commanders. Chiefs minus six at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Green Bay Packers and Minnesota Vikings under 47 on Sunday Night Football New Year's Eve. The Week 17 FFF SOSS pick six in the National Football League. Everybody enjoy the football over the holiday weekend. Everybody, happy new year. Let me be the first to wish you a happy new year. Happy new year, everybody out there. You know, no drinking, no driving. Be safe. Call an Uber. I'm sure there'll be surge pricing, but surge pricing is better than a Dewey. That's for sure. I'll tell you that right now. So, everybody, be safe out there. No drinking, no driving. Happy new year. Happy holidays. Enjoy the football. We'll recap it all on Tuesday's show. NFL Week 17, college football playoff semifinals. Enjoy it. We'll recap it on Tuesday. Happy New Year, everybody. Until then, peace. That's the name of it? Guys, check out his podcast. That sounds like my kind of podcast. Football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.